We are in the middle of a global energy crisis of unprecedented complexity and depth. Economies, markets, and policies are being greatly impacted. Yet despite unrelenting geopolitical and economic concerns, governments are still clinging to dramatic environmental policies. I'm Scotty Nell Hughes, and on today's 360 View, we are going to look at the steps various governments are taking in regards to transportation and climate change and the present-day impacts they are having. Electric vehicles seem to be the future, but at what cost? And will it actually bring us the Green Revolution climate activists promise? Well, to discover the push towards EV and some of their hidden costs you need to know, we bring in our international correspondent, Roxana Solano. Scotty, capitalism has been a driver of consumer products in many countries, allowing you to choose. If you have to, the ability to buy an electric vehicle, you will, and you can or if you want or need a gas-powered vehicle for whatever reason it is. But in the United States, that choice has been taken away or is about to be taken away. California is mandating all new passenger cars and light trucks be electric vehicles or plug-in electric hybrids by 2035. In reality, only 16% of new car sales in California are these zero emission vehicles. One obvious reason people don't choose electric is the starting price. A basic electric vehicle will run you $30,000. There are many hidden costs consumers need to be aware of when being forced to switch to an electric vehicle. So where do you charge your vehicle? While many companies and governments have funded public places to charge your car, not all of them are free. Plus, the infrastructure in many countries has not caught up to the need. Charging stations are not easily found if you plan to do a cross-country road trip. And if you don't have time to charge your car while out at the mall or can't find a spot at your local grocery store, you would want to charge it at night at your own home. You could plug it into the standard wall outlet, but the charging time is extremely slow. To outfit a proper plug-in for your vehicle typically costs between $500 and $700. But if you don't want to plan and do it yourself, parts and labor to hire an electrician will cost you upwards up to $2,000. Plus, electricity bills have skyrocketed across the globe. So now you're footing the bill to charge your car with your home's monthly utility bill. The increase is said to only be between $55 and $60 a month. Fine, that is not that bad. However, a battery for your car alone could cost up to $20,000 and above. There's a stark difference from $100 for a gas powder vehicle. For me, these cars are like the new iPhone every time you update them the battery drains, and the cost difference for an electric vehicle just is not worth it. I'm Roxana Solano for 360 View. Back to you, Scotty. Interesting, Roxana. All of those things you don't take into consideration when you're actually at a dealership buying a car. There's a lot of other things you have to worry about. Thanks, Roxana. So joining me now to discuss is Lauren Fix, the car coach, sector analyst, automotive energy trends, and host of the podcast, 
Total Car Score. Lauren, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Scotty. It's always great to chat with you. Okay, there is so much we could dive in with. But I want to start out with this yeah. story from Switzerland. You actually, your Twitter account actually topped me onto this in the first place. There's an ordinance on restriction and prohibition on the use of electric energy. This is just mm -hmm. a draft. But at this point, what exactly is it? Well, what happened was that Switzerland was one of the first to say, let's go green. They promoted their their people that lived there, their citizens, to buy electric vehicles, to go to electric appliances. And, of course, the country decided to shut down nuclear power, which they get much of their power from France and Germany. But what ended up happening was war with Russia and the Ukraine. They were no longer getting fuel from Russia because that was part of their agreement. Now they're in a bind. Everyone's gone electric. The problem is that when it comes to charging these vehicles, you need to charge them at night, or just like you were just reporting on at our outside station. Well, because of the shortage of electricity, they're asking their citizens to raise the temperature of the refrigerators, not wash clothes in washers. In other words, go back to the old school way of washing them in a sink. And they're also telling them to turn their temperatures down so they're not using as much heat. And even downloading videos uses too much electricity. They want them to download them in standard definition rather than high definition. And worst of all, if you've got an electric vehicle, they don't want you to charge it or even to drive unless it's an emergency. That is a level three. And they're right on the edge of reaching that level three emergency. And that's a problem because if they can't get power from France and Germany, they don't have nuclear power, then nothing's getting charged and nothing's getting electricity. And again, we're already starting to see this in California and it's going to start spreading around the world. Well, that's what I want to talk about. And I find it so funny because I am sure there are still commercials for electric vehicles running every other yeah. automobile commercial, even yeah. in Switzerland. So it's kind of like this double, what mm -hmm. are we supposed to do not to do? But you mentioned California. Mm -hmm. Are we seeing other countries right. or areas outside considering these same type of policies? Because Switzerland's not the only country with an energy crisis right now. That is correct. We're starting to see this in Italy, in France, and Spain. And what's interesting is China just made a deal with Afghanistan that they're going to be doing, being drilling oil from there. And of course, that oil then be owned by China, which makes them very powerful. So we'll no longer be beholden to the Middle East if we decide to go with an all-electric plan. We'll suddenly be beholden to China, not just for the cobalt, because they own almost 90% of the mines, but we're also going to be beholden to them because Russia and China are going to own the bulk of the mined fossil fuels, which we don't want to do here, but this is a massive problem. Again, the government has these great ideas, just like they want to remove uh, gas-powered stoves and they want us to go all electric. They're not thinking about you and I and how it affects us on a daily basis, because it's okay for them to do what they need, but when it comes to us, we have to buy the $66,000 on average electric vehicle, higher insurance rates, and come up with electricity as that gets more expensive. And we're noticing Big changes already in California. They've got tons of weather issues, and the first thing they do is tell you don't use the power. <laughs> it's so funny how there's such a disconnect between the people that are making the policies and the people that actually have to abide by yes. them. But do you think these exactly. kinds of policies that are being created will have any sort of impact or cause hesitation, if it's not the sticker price alone, by potential buyers of electric vehicles? I almost feel like it's this major peer pressure that's happening by all the car companies that you are, at some point, aren't going to have any other choice except an EV if you want to buy a new car. Well, there's a lot of reality to it all. The, the media is hyping the heck 
out of electric vehicles. The truth is, across the entire country, we're only at 6% electric vehicles in the United States. That's a lot less than other countries. And in California, it's coming as close as 18% in sales for the last quarter. But in reality, it's not as high as the mainstream media makes us push. But you have to remember, car manufacturers are in a catch-22. If they don't produce electric cars, they can't sell in the state of California and 17 other states. But in addition to that, they will be fined by the EPA if they don't produce electric vehicles. That's a problem. So they're producing these vehicles. They're taking a loss in every vehicle. So they're trying to sell more of them, hoping that they can at least get some cash flow. And to give you an idea of what's going on in the auto industry, in 2019 and 2020, we sold about 17.3 million vehicles. Last year for 2022, we only sold 13.7 million. So that's a loss of about 4 million cars. To put the money to that, the average profit from a manufacturer selling to a dealer is about $10,000 a car. That's millions of dollars in loss. And when they're losing money, they've got to try and come up with ways to make up that money. So the federal government stepped in and said, we'll try to help you with that $7,500 tax credit. But they would lose that money. So the car manufacturers raised the price by $8,000. <laughs> it's just crazy. So the money you think you're going to lose, you know, gain on the $7,500, you actually is a total wash. Now, there is a tax credit for used cars. But if you look at the restrictions and the maximum amount you're allowed to make, so few cars are going to comply. Lauren, it almost sounds like extortion. I have to be honest with you, by the U.S. government <laughs> is saying, if you want to sell your car, yeah. you have to do this, even though we know it's going right. to cause trouble to your company, you're going to have to do it anyway. Is other countries, do you know of around the world that are having these same sorts of policies? Mercedes-Benz is a German, well, mm -hmm. it's supposed to be a German originality right. country right now. Are other countries <laughs> having these same sort of policies put in place? Yes, you know, for Germany, since you discussed that, the number one well, place that sells or the industry that hires people that are citizens of Germany is the auto industry. So as Audi and BMW and Mercedes and Volkswagen Group start making everyone go electric, they now realize we've got a problem. If we go all electric, we need less employees because we're going to sell less vehicles. And that's a problem because then they're hurting their own economy. So we're starting to see that some of the politicians in Germany are waking up to realize this is not going to work. We're not going to freeze out our citizens. So they're starting to fire up the nuclear power plants. They're starting to use coal again because they know it's not going to work in their particular case. And it doesn't work. So, again, this is typical. The green policy sounds great on the surface, sounds like you're helping everyone. But in reality, the wheels are starting to come off the bus. When you notice companies like Toyota, Mr. Toyota, who is the CEO of the largest car corporation in the world, says, this is not going to work. We have to have a mix. And BMW or Bavarian Motor Works out of Germany is saying the same thing. We're going to offer hydrogen. We're going to offer plug-in hybrid. We're going to offer gas-powered. We're going to offer a lot of different choices to people because they want to stay in business. They have people that, that need jobs. But also they realize that the grid cannot support it in any country where everyone is 100% electric. It just cannot happen. The grid is not able to support that. Thank you, Lauren. Don't go away. Like I said, we're going to continue this conversation. Now, after the break, we will continue our conversation with Lauren Fix and discuss how economically friendly the electric vehicles market really is, and if it's really all about freedom and control.
claims of the King of the Belgians, Leopold II, to the Congo were finally authorized by the leading European countries in 1885. In the very heart of the African continent, a state under the rule of the Belgian monarch was declared. Since the beginning, the Congo Free State was total mayhem for the local population and functioned as a universal concentration camp. The majority of the population, including women and children, were forced to work on the rubber plantations. Those who failed to fulfill their quota were beaten and mutilated. To keep the Congolese people under control, the king set up the so-called force publique, which were punitive detachments that cast terror on the captured country and its inhabitants. Fearing that their subordinates would simply waste bullets hunting for wild animals, the officers demanded that the soldiers give an answer for every bullet used, and as proof, presented a chopped hand of an African. It was not uncommon. When trying to justify the use of the ammunition, the colonists amputated the hands of not only those who were dead, but also of those who were kept alive. The atrocious exploitation of the Congo turned into a real genocide. In only 20 years, the policy of the Belgians led to the death of nearly 10 million people. Alongside the Holocaust, the genocide of the Congo population is considered to be one of the grimmest pages in the history of mankind. Foreign policy is rarely front and center in American electoral politics. However, Biden's NATO proxy war in Ukraine against Russia is turning into an exception. As long as it takes and blank checks are not going down well with the GOP base. Can Republicans afford to continue to support Biden's war? Putin is the aggressor. Today, I'm authorizing additional strong sanctions. Today, Russia is the country with the most sanctions imposed against it, a number that's constantly growing. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. Sucks, like we're suffering the price for something that's happening in another country. Вопрос узловой, который сейчас решается, это судьба доллара как мировой резервной валюты. Joe Biden, in imposing these sanctions on Russia, you know, has destroyed the American economy. So there's your boomerang effect. Welcome back. We are discussing the push for all EV all the time. Let's bring back Lauren Fix, the car coach and host of the podcast, Total Card Score. Lauren, Howard Cox, who is the founder of the Fair Fuel Campaign, and that's in the UK, calls EVs the Betamax of transport and says the deadlines for EVs are going to lead to an economic disaster. So from your perspective, do you see electronic vehicles really being an asset in this fight against damage being done to the environment and worth the damage that it could potentially, and it looks like it's doing, to the economy? Well, I think that no one really looks at the cradle to grave, as we call it in the industry. So where do all these raw materials come from? Much of that comes from mines. Those mines come from cobalt. There's been tons of studies done, whether it be from the BBC, uh, even Joe Rogan had a guest on who was talking about the impact to the environment. He actually went and visited some of these mines. And you can see these are people that are out there barefoot 
digging up cobalt. Cobalt is very hazardous to humans. Then you got cadmium, lithium, mercury, neodymium. There's seven rare earth minerals that all are in mines that are owned by China for the most part. Much of the mineral rich area is in Afghanistan. And because of belt and road, road initiatives, China has already made a move to say, hey, we'll help build your roads and your infrastructure, but we want those rare earth minerals. So again, they will own more of it than we do. And we don't mine that stuff here because it is hazardous to the environment. So as this is all baked together to make a battery, some batteries are recyclable, some are not. I've covered that on my Car Coach Reports YouTube channel, but I will tell you that what people don't realize is it's not recyclable. So those batteries will stack up in salvage yards, just like solar panels. And while it all sounds great on the surface, 10 years from now, you and I are going to be having a conversation about the environmental impact and the disaster it is, and the fact that there is no one who can completely take all that and recycle it. Now, Redwood Materials has been working on it. They've got some of it down, but they can't get all of it. And this is a massive problem because what is left behind is hazardous, and you can't put it in the water, you can't send it to the moon, and these are problems. I mean, even Elon Musk is well aware of this, and he has said that Electric vehicles are great, but they're not the only answer. And I think what we'll end up in the end with is some sort of hybrid version that gives us what they call 48-volt architecture, giving you really good performance, better fuel economy, and there's going to be some form of gasoline or synthetic gas, which Porsche and Volkswagen Group have been working on. They've been working with Aramco, which is a Middle Eastern company. They've already had it being produced. They're testing it. Right now it's a little pricey, but they've already had a vehicle drive 1,000 miles that was just an everyday vehicle, you should be able to pump it into your tank. That may be the answer, synthetic fuel. Interesting. Well, back in the United States, mm -hmm. California, they just mandated trucks and buses yeah. with engines made before 2010 yeah. are banned. This just seems like an absolute joke. I almost felt like I was reading The Onion when I saw this. 70,000 <laughs> vehicles are affected. It applies to trucks that are also mm -hmm. trying to enter into the state of California. Are we even at the point right. where EV technology can handle the load at the same capacity as their gas-powered predecessors for an 18-wheeler? No, it makes absolutely no sense. If you look at the 18-wheelers that are out there that, have, that are battery-powered, the charging takes forever. It's a massive load on the grid. And what you're also noticing when you're looking at the Cybertruck or some of the other brands that are out there that are starting to deliver, the biggest problem is what they've just mandated as of the 1st of 2023, you cannot have a vehicle that's older than 2010. So what has it done is all these truck, trucking companies and fleet companies have gone to other states to purchase as many as they can to replace their older vehicles because they want to be able to, to do business. And what that has done is caused the used car market for big trucks to get extremely expensive. You have to remember that when you see a tractor trailer on the road, that body might be really old, even from the 70s or 80s, and the driveline might be replaced. But in many cases, those engines are still good at 2010. They're good for three, four hundred, five hundred thousand miles without a problem because they're diesel, which is what they call a compression motor. Now, this is a problem because when you're telling people they can't do this and they're actually ticketing for this, this is a problem. All you're going to do is slow down the supply chain, which is already broken. And you can thank Pete Buttigieg for that here in the U.S. He doesn't know what he's doing. I'd be happy to tell him that personally. <laughs> the fact is, if he could figure out what's going on and he was put there because he had the skills, we wouldn't be in this predicament we're in right now. Absolutely, because you're also looking at California's having these rolling blackouts during droughts and windy conditions. Mm -hmm. How can legislators actually expect people to go fully electric if there's no way to charge their car mm -hmm. during fire season? 
Right, and that is a problem. As soon as there's a fire, the first thing they do is shut down the power. And that makes sense because it could actually spark another fire. So from a fire standpoint, it's safer. But if you've got an electric vehicle and you went to charge it, it and you didn't get to charging it, maybe you were at work, maybe you were out and about. Once they shut it down, whatever's in your vehicle is all you've got. So that's why a lot of people that went all electric are now realizing this doesn't work. It also doesn't work when you're having terrible flooding, which is going on right now in Santa Cruz, California, in that area. Also didn't work in Buffalo, New York, when we had tons of snow where I'm based. And if we were waiting on electric plows, I'd still be waiting for an electric plow today. Okay, well, I can't let you go without talking about that one thing that you brought up, which is about freedom and control. And that's not only in the United States, it's mm -hmm. in countries across the globe right now. If everything you're doing mm -hmm. is reliant on energy and the government can have control of whether you get that energy, why, should people be really afraid that that's a possibility, that why there is this push about having everybody be based on electric? They want everyone based on wind and solar, which is even worse because of electricity can also be used with gasoline or nuclear power. They don't want either one of those. And some countries are starting to wake up and realize that they need to have some sort of green energy. Nuclear power is one of them. It's just not subsidized. So all the companies go where the subsidies are. Currently, it's wind and solar. That's not enough. It can only support 18% of our grid. And we saw that what happened in Texas when they had that ice and snowstorm and they were without power for quite a long time. And their number one product that comes out of Texas is oil. So without crude oil, you don't have any of the derivatives to make all the plastics and everything that we touch and live with every single day. But it also means you don't have what's called baseload power. And if we don't have baseload, that's the problem. And that's the real thing that the government doesn't understand. I don't know who's running their energy department, but they really need to talk to some people who know what they're talking about. Because with baseload, you can use wind and solar as a side, but it certainly can't be the only answer. You have to have more than that. And natural gas is one of them, and they want to reduce that. And if they do, people that have gas stoves, which includes me, won't be able to use them because they don't want us to. And if you talk about New York State, where I am, our current governor, just like California, wants to stop natural gas, no wood burning fireplaces. They just want us cold and freezing and basically to be beholden to the government and everything they're willing to give us whenever they are, much like what happened in some other countries like Greece or North Korea. Well, you know, it's not just in the U.S. because the U.N. has set up a blueprint to achieve a more sustainable future for all, which includes the replacement of fossil fuel vehicles. Is this even viable? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it before, considering the lack of infrastructure in many third world countries and what actually needs to be mm -hmm. in place for a country's transportation line to actually be fully electrically powered. Well, the only way to go full electric, you'd need to have quite a few nuclear power plants, which a lot of people don't want. Well, then there's no other choice than to go with coal or natural gas. If they don't want to do either of those, you're kind of putting yourself in a pickle. And remember, the car manufacturers are being fined billions if they don't do this. So they're going to follow suit whatever the governments want. They don't have a choice because they can easily hurt their business. And they are accountable to their shareholders. So it's easy to explain millions of dollars in losses instead of billions of dollars in losses. And that plus the fact that if you look at the whole globe and what's going on, car manufacturers are in a, in a tough situation. We as consumers buy what we want. What's end up with the result of this is consumers are keeping their cars longer on an average of 15 years. I hear a lot more people are buying their cars off of their lease and saying, forget it. I'm just going to keep what I have. I don't want a car that's connected. I don't want a car that could possibly be shut off or not allow me to charge. And you start thinking about the controls they can put in place if they wish to 
That's a problem. And we noticed that in the infrastructure bill that passed in 2021. And you'll start seeing that in some of the the small, but I always say with the big print gives a small print ticket away. And there's a lot of small print in those bills. And you really need to sit down and read them. Of course, most people won't because I don't even think the people that voted for it read it because it's easy just to pass it along because there's some sort of uh, earmark in it for whatever they want. The result is you as the consumer are paying the price, not just in electricity, but also in the ability to get what you want. And you may not be able to do that for much longer. If they have their choice, the World Economic Forum and the UN, they won't want you to have cars. They want you to live within 15 minutes of everything you need. And you can either walk or take a bike. And that does not work for most of us. And that does not seem very realistic. But that's why we have people like you, Lauren Fix, and your podcast around to keep us informed. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Now, a few weeks ago, my husband and I actually rented a hybrid vehicle just to see what life was like with an electric vehicle. Now, due to the lack of finding charging stations, which were actually operational, my husband and I made the entire 1,200-mile trip using the gasoline engine. Just 48 hours later, our area was forced to have rolling blackouts after extremely cold temperatures caused a higher-than-normal demand on the energy grid. When this happens, the energy provider divided the area into parts, identifies, and removes critical infrastructure like hospitals and water treatment plants from the regions and then begins the process of switching off power on a rotational basis in time increments as needed. Now, this should be alarming, not only because of the lack of being able to care for the energy needs in the present, but it reminds us that energy companies can target individuals or groups of people and cease their power. Now imagine the government being able to have this control and direct the energy companies on who and who cannot have power. Frightening thought and why there is a fear regarding what happens when the major components of a society become based on elements solely under the control of someone else. The ability to travel both for leisure and necessity is one of those major components. Putting that much power in one entity's hands is not only irrational, but it's actually dangerous. There is nothing wrong with wanting to help the environment. And it's very sad if the most powerful in office were taking advantage of the good nature of people in order to gain more power and control of others. With more information coming out about how non-environmentally friendly the electronic vehicle industry is, yet there's no relinquishing on rules and policies governments are aggressively putting in place, I worry this forced conversation is more about gaining power by some rather than actually trying to save it. I'm Scotty Nell Hughes, and this has been your 360 View. Thanks for watching.